Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 713 of the Juicebox podcast. On today's episode, bleh, on the, today's episode, <clears throat> we'll try that again. On today's episode, I'll be speaking with Adam. He is an adult living with type 1 diabetes, and he likes to carry heavy things on his back. I think that about covers it. While you're listening today, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. If you're an adult living with type 1 diabetes who is a U.S. resident or the caregiver of someone with type 1, please go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. Join the registry, take the survey, help people living with type 1 diabetes support the podcast. This entire effort should take you fewer than 10 minutes. That's 10 minutes to help a podcast that you like, people that you have a lot in common with, and you might find out some stuff for yourself. t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juicebox. Today's podcast is also sponsored by Touched by Type 1, and their big event is coming up on August 27th in Orlando, Florida. So check it out at touchedbytype1.org. And the podcast is also sponsored today by U.S. Med. Get your diabetes supplies from U.S. Med. All you have to do to get started is go to usmed.com forward slash juice box or call 888-721-1514. When you do that, you'll be able to get your free benefits check and get going. usmed.com forward slash juice box. My name's Adam. Uh, I'm a rucker, which is uh, just interesting to say out loud to people for the first time when I meet them. Um, but yeah, uh, my name's Adam and I live in Cleveland and I like uh, carrying heavy. So it is not that you went to Rutgers University to get your degree. No. So that's Rutgers. That has a T in it. Yes. So this is rucking. Basically, you like to walk places, but carry heavy stuff on your back while you're doing it. That's correct. Yeah. I mean, in the whole evolution of that whole hobby sport uh, pastime, it's the same concept as jogging or going for a run. The difference is I think running sucks. So I want to get the same cardio workout without the added, oh my God, I've got to run because I don't want to run. Mm-hmm. So rucking it is where you just, you strap on some heavyweight under your back and uh, you go for a walk, which is easy to do. And you can do it with a bunch of friends, which is what I typically do. What is the word? Like what's the etymology of the word? Well, so think about military jargon um, when they're humping a ruck, meaning they're carrying their ruck. It's got ammunition, rations, MREs, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And they've got to go over distance uh, to cover some ground to either infiltrate or exfiltrate from a situation. Um, a lot of times you do it on foot. And, you know, the special forces are known for this type of thing, especially the, the Army Green Berets, um, because that's that's how they get there. They, they got to be as stealth as possible sometimes. Mm-hmm. So if you can carry everything on your back, get in, get out. 
that's what the that is. And you know, a lot of times those guys to get to a, a place, you've got to go 20, 30 miles, get there, then go to work, and then get the hell out of there. So that's that's where it comes from, is just a military background, humping a ruck. Um, in UK, that kind of stuff, rucking or, or carrying a ruck is what kids carry to school. They're just backpacks. Uh, United States, we call them backpacks, but over there they call them rucks, you know, German word, gotcha. uh, rucksack, that kind of thing. I, I only think of the actor Alan Ruck, who played Cameron in First Bueller's Day Off when I hear the word. So. <laughs> well, he's also a great ruck. Um, <laughs> he's also a I mean, I mean, in, in, if you want to put that in context of rucking, what Alan Ruck would do is put a backpack on, then carry the Jaguar back instead of just running it backwards. <laughs> <laughs> do you think when Alan Ruck has sex, he calls it? No. Oh, he's definitely rocking for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. He thinks he calls it rocking. <laughs> he, well, he probably does. He's probably got a style and everything. And yeah, <laughs> it's a terrible pickup line in the bar. Um, or is it? I go don't to a family know. reunion. I'm going rocking. It's great. Yeah. Hi, how are you? Would you like to go rocking? Um, <laughs> all right. So you're on the right. podcast because I did. I actually ask for people who have like interesting and, and odd hobbies at some point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're yeah. looking for type one diabetics that have interesting hobbies. And so I sent you an email with a picture. I think it was a picture of my back carrying a ruck and um, an added weight of something. And I said, I kind of do this. <laughs> You're like, let's do it. <laughs> like, counts. all right, cool. Yeah, yeah. That counts for sure. I mean, it, it's so it's just an intense workout that's sort of been turned into. Uh, I mean, do you do it? I guess my question is like, do you have a bunch of friends that you get together with and do it? Or is it, do you belong to a group that does it? Do you do it by yourself? Yeah. I mean, all of the above. So I got into it, uh, trying to make like a lifestyle change. I needed to lose some weight. So I decided, um, I was going to try and like, I was going to train to do the Murph because I saw John Krasinski, uh, post on his Instagram that he did it. I'm like, the dude from the office did that. Why can't I do it? And at the time I was extremely heavy, really overweight. So I'm like, I'm going to train for that. So I started training that training for that, uh, kind of honor a friend of mine's brother who'd passed away. Um, so I was going to do that. And during that time of training for it, I became, uh, I was diagnosed as type one diabetic a few years ago. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I gotta, I can't do the Murph right now because I was so weak from being sugar. So high, your muscle density goes and, um, I need to do something. So I'm like, I'm going to go I looked up other kind of crazy stuff and I saw someone, uh, you know, post that they're doing a rucking event in Pittsburgh. So I'm like, I'm going to go do that. Um, and it was just, the concept was get a ruck or a backpack, put weight in it, have the list of things we want you to bring. And we're going to, you know, work you through, um, some workouts, which I'm like, okay, that sounds like fun. And you got to train for that. So I just threw some weight in a backpack at the time was just like a laptop bag. And I just started walking around the block hmm. and that was just by myself, just trying to figure out, I'm going to show up to this event and I got to kind of be ready for that. So, um, I'm like, I just got to at least be able to put some miles on with weight on my back because my legs are weak. My back's weak. My arms are weak. Um, so you started slow, worked your way up. And now I'm part of a whole community of people. Um, like every city kind of has like a, a rucking club which is kind of fostered by a company called GoRuck that uh, kind of makes specialized equipment for these types of things. They're military style um, events where you're, they're led by someone from the special forces, a special forces veteran. 
And they kind of build that bridge from um, a civilian who thought, oh, I wonder what it was like to be in the military, but didn't want to actually go to the military. You can kind of get a taste of it. And what it is, is they're, they're our veterans, special forces veterans, kind of giving back some of their knowledge about pushing through, you know, adversity. Um, a lot of times that adversity is going to be just physical limitations, mm-hmm. pain, things like that. So you just kind of learn how to push through it. And it kind of grows. You kind of dip your toe in the water and either you get all the way in or you get all the way out. And I happen to get all the way in. Gotcha. Hey, so, all right, let's go. Let's move like this then. How old are you now? I'm 41. All right. You cut out for a second, but 41 is the answer, right? Yeah. 41. Yes. Diagnosed how long ago? Uh, I was 37 when I was diagnosed. 2018. Um, at At that point, are you married? Do you have children? Are you single? I've got married with four kids. Okay. Jeez. Easy. Yeah. Adam. Um, <laughs> no problem. Yeah. Sounds like you're pretty good at rocking. You know what I mean? Um, right. <laughs> just time away from the kids. It's great. <laughs> so uh, any other autoimmune in your life prior to that or since? I mean, prior to that, at the time, vitiligo was not being called an autoimmune disease, but I've had that since I was a small child. Mm-hmm. Now it's kind of considered an autoimmune disease. Well, at least they figured out how it causes it more now. Yeah. So I guess that was my first autoimmune disease. And then type one diabetes, obviously. But then since I've, I've developed Hashimoto's disease, which really threw a wrench in kind of this whole energy thing. So okay. you know, I'm still still kind of getting under the the umbrella of that right now. Right. We'll, we'll get to that. So you're sure. So at 37, you said you were, mm-hmm. you considered yourself overweight. Like had you been your yeah, whole I was three, life? Or? I was three, I was 300 pounds. Oh, wow. Were you like nine feet? I tall? was big. How, how tall are you? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm about six foot. Wow. Okay. That's uh, so, probably looks significant on you then. Yeah, it was pretty significant. I saw a picture of myself sitting next to my childhood best friend when I sold him a car and I go, man, that's big. Mm. Not, <laughs> um, so that's it? kind of what start. What's that? I, I'm sorry. You cut out a little bit. So it confused me. But um, did, did you start out as a bigger person or did you kind of I, I was going to say grow into it? But did you but did it happen no. over time? Uh, if you looked at pictures of me through high school in my early twenties, I was a skinny, tall guy. Okay. Um, and then, you know, circumstances happen, mental health happens, um, fell into a depression. The year 2012 was a pretty significant bad year for me. So it was like that year kind of started growing and growing and growing. And then fast forward, you know, four or five years later, you look down, go to the doctor for the first time in a few years. They're like, yeah, the first number on your weight's a three. Right. That's that's wakes you up a little bit. And that's kind of what happened with me as it was happening. Were you aware, unaware, unable to care? Like, what was your mind? I, I just I just didn't care. Um, I mean, I was just in a severely dark, deep depression because I had lost a job um, dealing with that money was tight. I didn't mean my wife had, you know, were, were newlyweds at that point with just one one child and a second one just was brought into the picture. Mm-hmm. So it was just one of those things where, you know, personal life was in turmoil outside of my marriage. Then it, it just was, it was a crazy 2012. And then as I started kind of like getting my mojo back, I started a job that was significantly uh, not good for the waistline because you worked in office, you ate when you could, you ate as much crap as you could because that's the only thing you could find. So it was just a blossoming of, of circumstances that put you up there. And I was, 
only thing I noticed was I kept having to buy bigger pants, but not a ton bigger. Like, oh, oh this year I'm going to be wearing a one size bigger than I was last year. Mm-hmm. No big deal. Okay. All right. So at some point, does does your diabetes come before you're like kind of awakening about your weight or does the weight, do you start working on your weight before you get diabetes? Adam, you're gone, aren't you? Sorry. Oh. Are you there? No. Hey, you were gone for a second. Are you back? Can you hear me? He does not hear me. If I hear you now, that's not the song. Ooh, but yeah, this is definitely where the ad's going to end up. Givoke Hypopen has no visible needle and is a premixed auto injector of glucagon for treatment of very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes ages two and above. Find out more. Go to givoglucagon.com forward slash juice box. Givoke shouldn't be used in patients with insulinoma or pheochromocytoma. Visit givoglucagon.com slash risk. U.S. Med is the place where I think you might want to get your diabetes supplies from. USmed.com forward slash juice box. Call 888-721-1514. Either way you want to do that is a great way to get your free benefits check from U.S. Med. Here's what you're going to get from U.S. Med. They are the number one distributor for Freestyle Libre Systems nationwide. The number one specialty distributor for Omnipod Dash. The number one fastest growing tandem distributor nationwide. They're where we got Arden's Omnipod 5 from. They're also the number one rated distributor in Dexcom customer satisfaction surveys. And they've served over 1 million people living with diabetes since 1996. U.S. Med has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. They accept Medicare nationwide and over 800 private insurers. U.S. Med always provides 90 days worth of supplies and fast and free shipping. So if you're looking for a place to get your diabetes supplies, including the Libre 2 and the Dexcom G6, you're looking for U.S. Med. 888-721-1514 or online at usmed.com forward slash juice box. Okay, what was my question? My question was, uh, did you start thinking about weight loss prior to diabetes or did diabetes happen prior to weight loss thinking? So I started losing weight before diabetes um, because, like I said, I was 300 pounds, high blood pressure, um, the whole gamut. A lot of things were happening. So I knew I needed to lose weight. And my brother, my younger brother, also was kind of a bigger person. And he kind of hit a mark where he's like, I'm changing my whole life. And I kind of hit that point as well uh, and just started, you know, finding ways to work out. It was first passively just changing up diet a little bit. Yeah, Adam. Hey, you're um, you're noisy. Um, oh, sorry, man. No, no, don't be sorry. We're going to move your phone somewhere. Else. No, hold on. I'm myself back down in my closet downstairs in my office. I thought it was just a, a Wi-Fi issue. So I went up next to my Wi-Fi. How's that? I don't know. When you're talking, I'm getting a tapping behind your voice. It's an electronic tapping, so I don't know what it is. Yeah, if you got too, probably too close to something else, maybe. Yeah, probably. How's it now? 
to wait till it gets settled. Give me try it again. How's it now? It's still there. Damn. Jeez. Mm, <laughs> let me think. Let me think. So many people use their iPhone so successfully for this. Oh, it's not like intrinsically that as a problem is what I mean. So, um, I don't know. It was a new noise. I didn't hear it before. Oh, sorry, man. I think I just I walked up closer to my router mm-hmm. for Wi-Fi signal, just in case that was the issue. But it's all good. Okay, now you are somewhere pretty hollow. This is you're gonna kill me in a second. So, did you, did you move? <laughs> See, I'm an audio guy too, so it's gonna drive me nuts too. Did you move into a room where there's no carpeting or something like that? All right, there you go. I just took off my Bluetooth that was echoing in my ears too. Okay, perfect. And turn off my speakerphone. All right, here we go. Let's try again. <laughs> Stand perfectly still, Adam, and do this podcast. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I, I I know I interrupted you. You were in the middle of explaining okay. um, how you how you started getting on top of things. Yeah, I mean, so the whole process of losing weight for me started with just changing up what I was eating. Uh, just volume of calories was going down, and I was losing a significant amount of weight. Um, I went from 300 pounds to 250, I would say, in six months, Wow, give or take. Um, just kind of changing that up. I worked at a job where I was moving around a lot. Like I would go, you know, I worked at a car lot. So I was walking miles a day, just moving cars around, things like that. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, it was easy because that physical activity was there, but it was mostly like just passively knowing I needed to eat better, just pay attention to it. Yeah. Give me an example. Give me an example of a meal before and a meal after. (laughs) Sure. So a meal before didn't care. I would go to Wendy's for instance, for lunch at work, I would get a baconator with a supersized biggest fry they had and a Coke. And that was my lunch every day. That's probably a significant amount of days. Yes. (laughs) Not necessarily every day, but more days than not. And then after it was, you know, I would still go out to eat because it's hard to bring your lunch to work when you're not sure when you eat, but I would physically leave the building for lunch, go somewhere where I could eat on my own time. And there was a new, uh, like a farmer's market down the street that opened up that had a great salad bar. So I just went over there and ate salads for lunch. And you didn't have any difficulty making the adjustment? No, that's what's really weird for me is when I decide to do something, I don't dabble. I just do it like, oh, I'm going to do this. This is what I'm doing now. Okay. Cool. And it just make it a new habit. You know, they say what, 21 days, create a new habit. I try and do that in like 10. <laughs> so is it fair to <laughs> say that prior to all this, when you started, when you hit your, your dark spot, that you almost were like diving into eating poorly, even though you probably weren't thinking about it that way. So you were kind of yeah. all in on that as well. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you don't, um, you don't leave like Wendy's if I'm gonna... on Wednesday and then <laughs> grab a a salad and go for a jog on Thursday. It's like all one or the other, for sure. Yeah, yeah and okay. that's definitely okay. the case. <laughs> okay. All right, that makes sense. So, so you knock off fifty pounds pretty quickly, which is yeah. stunning. Um, mm-hmm. Does your wife mention it? Either way, well, well, she got she would get really angry because my wife um, at this point has given birth to kids mm-hmm. and the, the kids were not kind on her body. So she's been trying to in weight, you know, she developed a thyroid condition after the first one. So she's been trying to lose weight. She's having some difficulty 
And she sees me just like, no problem. I decided to do it today and no worries. Yeah. You know, I just started doing it. And that it probably frustrated her a little bit. Hmm. Yeah. Because she said that out loud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what what thyroid condition did she get after the birth? She's got hypo hypothyroid. Yeah. So she's having, you know, synthroid and all that stuff. And, you know, and that plays with whole other issues, you know, iodine imbalances and vitamin stuff. And she's, she was just trying to, at that time, trying to get a grip on that. It's difficult. Um, yeah, she was having some difficulty. She seems to be evening out a bit now, mm-hmm. but still having trouble with the whole weight loss thing. Um, and, and that kind of goes along with it too, yeah. you know? No, I hear that. Okay. So you're, so things are going your way. You're losing weight. Yeah. You have a couple of kids. You kind of pull it yep. out of your darkness and then yep. diabetes. Yeah. Well, I had gone in because I had started seeing an endocrinologist for low testosterone. That was what my PCP identified as something that was a problem. Okay. So I started seeing an endocrinologist as I started losing weight. I told her, hey, this is my plan. Um, so we can kind of do some tests. She wanted to figure out why did I have such low testosterone besides the weight? You know, was there a physical problem? cat scans mris of the whole nine yards of the brain and she's like well let's let's get together in february and this is february of 2018 she goes let's get together just for a checkup and uh we'll kind of take a look at everything and see how it's going and so you know six months goes by from that last appointment with her to my following appointment and during that time i started developing an insatiable thirst like i was drinking a lot of water but now i'm drinking 10x that amount mm. right i was maybe drinking two or three bottles of water at work because we give out bottles to our customers to drinking like 10 a day like just a lot in mm. my pcp it changed my blood pressure meds to include hydrochlorothiazide and he goes this is going to make you pee a little bit more i'm like okay well i started taking it i started peeing more and then it got more and they got more and i started getting dehydrated and then i started waking up in the middle of the night having to pee so bad, but not being able to walk because your legs are so dehydrated. So I'm crawling to the bathroom. And this went on for months before I went and saw the endo again to follow up on my testosterone stuff. And she's like, we're going to start testosterone because you're really low. She goes, is anything else going on? I said, yeah, I think my blood pressure meds are a little out of whack because I lost 70 pounds now. And she's like, yeah, you've lost a considerable amount of weight. Good job. And you know, I said, yeah, but this is kind of happening to me now. She goes, oh, tell me more. And I just started telling her how often I was getting up to pee, Mm. how much water I was drinking. And she's like, there's something going on. (laughs) We don't know what, but there's something going on. So she goes, I'm going to order all this blood work. Go get it done. Well, the following week, I had my annual with my PCP with also had blood work. So I decided I'm going to let it wait a couple of weeks and go do it all at once. So, yeah. And I went and did blood work. They did like 12, 13 vials because they had all of my annual stuff, then a full panel for her. And then the next day, my my chart starts going off about all the blood tests. I'm like completely failing from, you know, blood glucose, to A1Cs to everything's just blown out of whack. And, mm-hmm. you know, they <laughs> endo calls you and says, you have an appointment today at one o'clock. I go, no, my PCP appointment's at seven tonight. She goes, oh, this is the endocrinology office. You have an appointment with us today at one o'clock. Yeah. I just, I just can't leave work. She goes, will your, will your employer not let you? They go, yeah, I work in the car dealership. I got to work. They go, do we need to call you an ambulance? I go, oh, 
it's serious. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, an ambulance will get me out of here. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I just went to my boss and said, hey, I got I got these blood tests. They got to go. I don't know what any of this means, but I'll be back, I think, later. And he's like, whatever. Yeah. Wow. So I went. They sat you down. They go, well, you're definitely diabetic. <laughs> so they do the whole, here's how to take your blood sugar. Here's insulin. Um, here's a, you know, a ticket to go down to the blood work to see what type you are because we don't know. Mm-hmm. you know so that's when they figure out oh you're a type one that was the next day so i have a question that might seem weird after all that but did you end up getting sure. the testosterone replacement ever no so once i got my a1c's in check and got my blood control blood sugar in control everything evened out everything my thyroid levels evened out my testosterone evened out my lipids evened out like everything was fine hmm. once they figured that out that it was weird yeah how long after the diagnosis did you get Hashimoto's? So that was this past winter, like March of 2020 is when I went in for my annual. They go, what's going on? She goes, you're kind of gaining weight pretty quick again. What, is there anything going on? I'm like, well, I work in healthcare in the middle of a pandemic where I, I sell the number one treatment for COVID. So I'm a little stressed out. Um, it's a little depressing working with old people who are, literally passing away. So I'm like, I'm probably in a little bit of a depression. So that always makes, you know, me gain weight. She goes, yeah, but you know, that's not going to count for all of it. So let's, let's take a look. And I gave her some other symptoms, you know, just lethargy in general. So she looked it up and my uh, antibodies were through the roof. And she's like, you clearly have Hashimoto's. This is no, no offense or buts about it. So Synthroid. Yeah. Okay. Back in the first time when you hit a kind of dark mm-hmm. place, can mm-hmm. you look back before that and see any Hashimoto's type symptoms back then? Yeah, I mean, probably, probably a little bit. If I go back and look at my blood test, my my thyroid levels were always on the higher side of normal in general. Um, I mean, th- hypothyroid disease runs in my family generations, you know, for as long as they could, gen- like my grandmother had it. My mom's got it. I've got it. Um, and then my dad's side, probably the same. I don't know much about my dad's family medical history, but I'm sure we've got one or two people that had that same issue there too. Yeah. Cause it, so I, it really made me wonder as you started kind of building the story, if the first mm-hmm. time this happened to you, wasn't maybe a thyroid issue as well. And then perhaps it, yeah. qu- it quieted down a little bit for a while. Um, yeah. Which I know is not a super technical term, but um, <laughs> you know, I, I always wonder when you see people have wild swings in their, uh, I don't know, just, you know, their personalities, uh, mm-hmm. energy, weight, stuff like that. If, if it isn't an imbalance, maybe an internal imbalance and not just, you know, cause we tend to think of it as like, I don't know how we think of it. You know, you see somebody who just starts acting differently and you're like, Oh, he's having a bad day or a bad month or something's going on at right. work. But you know, there are, delicate balances inside of your body and yeah. when they move around stuff goes wrong yeah i mean in a lot of the times like i've always found my health issues in times of personal crisis right because the the symptoms that i'm matching for physical symptoms like le- lethargy that kind of thing was always masked by oh i'm also in a really dark place otherwise so is this depression or is this a physical problem and having grown up with a with a mom in healthcare, you only went to the doctors if you're dying, right? You know, you you got a bone stick like 
I got hit in the head with a baseball bat, cracked my head wide open. And the neighbors called the ambulance. My mom's like, why would you call the ambulance? Just drive them to the hospital. But they didn't, she wasn't there, but you know, and then we wait, you know, that kind of thing. So it's, it's all of these things. You, your symptoms can be masked by external factors. Yeah. So a lot of times this could have gone unchecked for a lot longer. Had I not been in, in a bad mental place, I probably would have picked up on these a little faster. Right. And stressful moments can also throw things into motion. Oh, too. you know, Hashi- that's for sure. Too. Hashi- I think Hashimoto's is a good example of that. Um, yeah. And, and so is type one, to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. You know, you get into a bad, you get into a bad spot and you start taxing your body stress mm-hmm. and stress and and things that are on the verge of just holding together sometimes just kind of can't anymore oh for sure I, I, there's definitely some truth to that right yeah. definitely has to be some truth to it be. so um how did you find how did you how did you find having diabetes adam was it um <laughs> I, I asked that question like you bought a new sofa and i was like how did you find <laughs> the new suede sofa did you enjoy well, it in the house yeah well i mean it threw me through the gamut because now I'm like, what does this mean? I've had a good close friend of ours has been type one diabetic for a long time. So I've been exposed to it. Um, I was there during a pretty horrific hypo that he was having where we had to call an ambulance. So I've seen the dark sides and I've seen the good sides, right? My cousin's been living with it since he was two months old. So I've seen, I've been exposed to it, but I've never paid much attention to it. A few years ago, um, someone that grew up with my mom her son passed away from type one diabetes. So it was a big, like, I get it. I'm exposed. I see it's out there. Now it affects me. So now I'm like hyper-focused on, okay, <laughs> what do I do? Um, so I took it upon myself to start learning about what it is before I went to my diabetes education. I was given some pretty conservative treatment plans to start because I lived my whole life without it. So they didn't want to throw me in deep so I would get so overwhelmed. So okay. they kind of ease me into this is Lantus. This is how it works. This is Humalog. This is how it works. If your sugar is here, give you this. And they kind of walked you through that first meeting. So I decided to look up, okay, what does this mean? And I gamified everything. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get my blood sugars down. This is going to be the thing. And I just focused on it. It gave me something to focus on. Yeah. It gave me a little bit more of a better purpose because when you're reading about the side effects of having type one diabetes, neuropathy, that kind of thing scares the crap out of you. Yeah. It really does. And I didn't want anything of those, those things to happen. I've got friends with neuropathy, don't want to deal with it. Don't want to have it. Um, so yeah, I just want to dive into it and learn as much as I could. Okay. Um, uh, just a real quick question. Cousin on sure. whose side, your mom's or your dad's? Uh, moms. Okay. Uh, so that, that cousin had type one for quite some time in your, yeah, almost dead. He was born. And then all of a sudden he was in hospital with in diabetic coma. Like it was a pretty big, serious thing. So he was a baby when he was diagnosed. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so yeah. Okay. Um, how did you start off with technology? Did you, I mean, four years ago, did you have a CGM pretty quickly, a pump? How did you do it? So my insurance was kind of a pain in the butt when it came to that. I had a uh, a one touch right off of the doctor's office and some quick pens. Mm-hmm. Within six months of me pricking my finger, I'm like, I need to get a Dexcom. But my first A1C back after being, you know, diagnosed as diabetic was like 6.1. 
and for whatever threshold my insurance needed to get me one, I was below that. So my doctor was instrumental of doing all the, the um, appeals to get it all approved. Mm-hmm. And within, within eight to 10 months, I was on CGM, okay. which was awesome. And I, and I denied the pump for, at that point because for me, my problem with weight was I was eating a lot. If I made it easier to eat, I would eat whatever I want. And I would get big again. That was my fear. Oh, okay. um, so you thought if so, you had a pump, you'd be like, oh, snacking will be easier and that won't yeah. be good for me. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, I knew that would be easier because I've got friends on pumps. I'd listen to the podcast at this point. Yeah. And life gets easier with a pump. I'm like, I need to make it still a little difficult for myself. So, um, and it was a wrecking event that changed my whole opinion on that. But that's okay. another, well, we'll, we'll get to that, I'm sure. Yeah, we're definitely going to get that. I just want to ask one kind of follow-up <laughs> question around that. Sure. So do you consider a side of diabetes, like, I don't know how to talk about stuff like this, but like, sure. do you have an eating disorder? I mean, maybe. <laughs> I'm going through, I'm talking with a nutritionist now mm-hmm. about some of my things with food. Um, and I grew, grew up in a time in the 80s where my mom, had probably did probably either anorexia or bulimia or both, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I've watched her deal with these yo-yo diets and I'm like, I'm not going to deal with that. So there's probably a little bit of that going on, some body dysmorphia things. Cause even when I lost, I lost a hundred pounds at this point from decided to lose weight to I'm a type one diabetic. I've lost a hundred pounds. And I'm like, I still feel like I'm 300 pounds. I still feel big. So there's probably a little bit of that going on for sure. Yeah, because six feet, 200 pounds. I mean, if it's on your mm-hmm. right, this, I mean, you're a bigger person at that point, but it's yeah. Not, yeah. B- not big in a crazy way. Um, no, not not at all. And I now the whole the whole option now from back then it was losing weight. So I look better, right? Mm-hmm. If I look better, I think I'd feel better. And now it's more or less, I don't care what I look like. I just want to be really strong. Okay. Like I want to be really strong. Gotcha. All right. Um, so <laughs> I, I'm trying to imagine the first time you ruck anything. So I, I mean, <laughs> how much weight do you start with? So I, it's easy to start with any weight. We'll start with five pounds if you need to. I started with 20 okay. because all the sites that I was going to about this kind of stuff was training plans are start with 20. It's pretty easy. You can handle 20 pounds on your back with no problem. And then I weighed my daughter's book bag and it was like 25. I'm like, yeah, no problem. 20 is good. <laughs> Your daughter's so, book bag for school was 25 pounds. Yeah. With all the books she yeah. had to carry home for studying and that kind of stuff. I hear you. So I just threw some bricks in a bag and put it on my back and started walking. Some bricks in a bag you put on your back and went for a walk. How far do you walk? Yeah. Uh, first time three miles. Any time considerations? Or you're just trying to do the distance just doing the distance. I, I had a route and I let, I turned, when I went out of my house, I turned right and I had a big square in the neighborhood. And so I just come back to the square and, you know, at one point the distance home in the distance out, you know, to and from is the same. So I just go to a point, turn around, come back. Yeah. Um, it was fine. How long do you think it takes you to feel stronger after you start doing it? You feel stronger immediately, not because you're probably growing muscle that fast, is because, wow, I thought that would be really hard, and I kind of did that no problem. So then you start playing challenges. I wonder if I can do it faster. I wonder if I can do it heavier. Mm-hmm. And you kind of like push yourself and play that game in your head over and over. And significant muscle is not going to be built overnight. 
but you feel after the first week, if you make a plan of it, you feel stronger by the end of the week. It's great. Wow. Well, I mean, I guess really in a modern society, you've described a number of your jobs. They weren't (coughs) physically demanding jobs. And you got to think, you know, a number of years ago, most of our jobs were more physically demanding. So you're really just, yeah, you're creating, you're creating that in your leisure time, basically, because your work time is, is easier. Yeah. Yeah. And you could do it with the kids. You want to walk instead of riding your bikes to the park, let's walk. And so they'll walk or ride a scooter and I'm going to put on a ruck and I'm going to walk behind them. And the job is try and keep up because a, you're going to get a cardio workout and two, you know, that's just going to push you along. They're going to be your, you're spending time with your kids. What's better than that? Well, I hear what well, you I mean, there's a couple of there's, things. There's a lot of things better than that, but <laughs> I don't know if it's better. It's just <laughs> different in a fun but, way. Um, yeah. I mean, but the thing about it, like when you're, when I was working the jobs, I was working a lot, a lot, a lot of hours. Mm-hmm. And so this gave me time to spend time, work out, do all those things I made time for, but also involve them as well. So I think modeling good behavior to them is just important as disciplining them for doing something bad. Did the strength, um, sort of create itself body wide or was it more like core and back and legs? Like- yeah, it was. It, I started noticing significant changes just in my legs. Cause the first time I rocked, you felt like, like my twig, like my knees were going to snap. Cause you're like, wow, you put a lot of weight. You're not used to it. Mm-hmm. So you feel it in your knees first. And that first thing it does is build some knee strength because you're not running. You're just walking a natural gait, but because it's heavier, you know, you're working those, those muscles first. And then your core starts tightening up because you to to hold that up you've got to kind of lean into it so you're tightening your core and you're walking through it so that becomes better because my core is stronger my back problems i've had for years have kind of disappeared yeah because my core is a lot stronger that makes sense how long until you up the weight well i stuck around 20 pounds for a good bit probably six months and then i did my first rocky event Right. It was, it was 20 pounds minimum, then three liters of water in hot on top of that. So even right there, you're looking at 30 pounds ish. Okay. So that was six months into it. And now, you know, I, when I feel like I've kind of like done my three K route or five K route, and I've beaten my time over and over again, if I know it's time to add more weight to kind of push through that. I see. You drink a lot of that water on the walk. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. More than most. Because you just like to stay hydrated or they like to stay hydrated. Um, you know, Dexcom works better when you're hydrated, gotcha. but also, um, when I get like dry mouth, it reminds me of when I was uncontrolled diabetic and that, that, that dryness in the back of your mouth, that was like a trigger for me. Like I can't ever let that happen again. Cause it's so bad because if I'm that dehydrated, it means, you know, my legs are going to hurt and all this stuff. So I, I like to stay really hydrated that way. That makes sense. I I, uh, I don't eat at the restaurant that I ate at right before my appendix burst. And the two things had nothing to do with each other. So <laughs> right. I just don't want that. Right. I don't even want the feeling anymore. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, okay. So how do you manage your insulin for all this walking? So I was just a Atlantis Humalog MDI. Um because I didn't, when I first started, I didn't have zero visibility over my blood sugars. So my first event, I did it as a finger prick MDI situation, but it wasn't a big taxing event. It was something called a light event. It was six hours long. 
you, you go, you cover two or three miles. So if it's six hours long and I'm covering two or three miles, I know I'm not going to have this long distance. My blood sugar is going to drop thing mm-hmm. because I'm not walking long or hard enough. Right. Sure. There's gonna be a little bit more working out than I normally do, but I wasn't too worried about it. And then I started get apping the ante in just some of the event space. And I realized that MDI and pricking my finger in a 12 hour event is just impractical. It's just not practical to do that. Mm-hmm. You need to have a bit more technology. And that's when I'm like, okay, need to get a CGM. So it's just so I get visibility over that. I, I got to ask you a 12 hour event. What do you, what do you yeah. walk into Minnesota? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> so they have uh, this company. Go Ruck has three levels. Well, I have more than three, but the three basic core events that they offer are a go ruck heavy, a go ruck tough, and a go ruck light. And the biggest duration is activity and time. So a light is going to be your entry level type event, six hours long ish, sometimes four, sometimes six, distance between two to five miles, um, lighter weight. It's like if someone is just trying to get into it, they don't want to scare you away. And then once you get into it and you get the bug, you go, I want to do more. So now you do a tough event, which is the same thing as the light, except it's a little heavier. It's a bit longer um, and their standards are a little tighter. So, um, you know, hey, you have so long as an entire team because the the people you show up to these events with, you create one team and that's kind of a team building exercise. So you've got to move all this stuff, whether it's sandbags, random you find along the way, like a tree trunk, you've got to get it from point A to point B in a certain time. By the way, you're not allowed to look at a watch, so hurry it up. So you kind of do that kind of stuff. And it's a fun, it's a lot of fun to do that because you're working with people, switching weight back and forth. And that's just fun to do. Hmm. So that's a 12 hour. And then the heavy is just that. It's just longer and heavier, okay. um, which is a 24 hour rock fest. Jeez. It's awful. Do you eat during it? Um, well, as a diabetic, because you tell them you're a diabetic, if you're smart, uh, they don't take your food away from you because food is now life-saving to you. Mm-hmm. Everybody else that has functioning pancreases, yeah, they'll they'll limit your food. You take what you're going to eat with you. So in in some events, they take your food away and tell you when you can eat. Uh, but usually between waypoints, you get from point A to point B, you'll have a, a chance to stop, reset yourself, eat something if you need it, and then keep going. Hmm. Okay. But it's all endurance. It's all about endurance. It costs money to be involved? Yeah. Yeah. It, these events aren't cheap. Um, they can be pretty expensive, but the reward is worth, in my opinion, it, worth the cost. Yeah. Boy, I mean, you're making paying somebody to carry sand for no real reason. Yeah, it's not very attractive. <laughs> right. I, I, get, right. I get what it's about, but it's just, it's a funny idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it is a, it's a really, really funny idea. And I, I don't really care about carrying the weight. I mean, it, that's, that, that's the suck fest part of it, hmm. but it's between those movements where you get to talk to the guy running it who like my, one of my favorite cadres names, Cadre Igor. And he was in Delta Force during the battle of Mogadishu and listening him tell that story or tell you what it was like is just worth all the pain you go through. So you can hear that story in a way where now he put you through a movement that they had to do and you kind of understand it better. Hmm. That's what it's about. Do you prep it all for these things? I mean, do you cut your basil back? How far before you get to the event? <laughs> do you eat certain things prior to it? Do you not eat certain things prior to it? 
Yeah. Well, I didn't find your podcast until after I was medically dropped from a 24 hour event because of low blood sugar. And at that point I didn't cut basil because I didn't know what that was. Like, I didn't know that concept. I was just told I got to give myself this. So, um, and I didn't have CGM when I started it. So it was a, that, that failure in that 24 hour event, I was nine hours into the event and I was dropped because my blood sugar was low enough where I was completely coherent, but my blood sugar wouldn't read on the one touch at all. Hmm. So one of the guys in the stack with us was an ER doc in, I'm sitting there tears running down my face because I've trained, you know, six months to a year to be there and I'm nine hours in and I was going to do what the, the heavy, tough light. I was going to do the heavy followed by the tough followed by the light all in a row. That's what I was training for. And, you know, nine hours into the first event, I'm getting dropped because they can't, I can't manage my blood sugar. And at this point I've had three lows already. So like, yeah, you're out, man. <laughs> like, just gonna, damn it. It's just going to keep happening. So the, these yeah. rocking events are the reason you found the podcast? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I need to find a better way to, I was looking for information, better ways to manage because what I was doing wasn't working for what I wanted to do right. at all. So I needed to find different ways to do it. So I just looked up, I, I had commutes to work that were about 20 minutes. So I love podcasts. So I just started looking for type one podcasts. And yours was like the first one to pop up. I'm like, okay. And then I just started listening. And then when you would reference an older episode about something, I'd go back and listen to the older episode. And all came down to get a CGM and ultimately get a pump because that's how you do it. (laughs) So that's what I did. Do you find that in the end, it's timing and amount? Oh, 100%. Timing, amount, and, and also confidence that you know what you're doing. Right. A lot of, a lot of it is just lack of confidence knowing, is it going to work the right way? Is it not going to work the right way? You know, and that fear of insulin is a real thing, right? Of course. Especially when you're working out. No, of course. And the chasing becomes, you don't, you don't realize you're chasing it first and then you don't realize how far you've run away from the path and you you can't (laughs) find your way back anymore. You know, you just, it's days and days of you like stopping lows and then eating and making it high again and then you know, crashing yep. and you, you, you're just like, I don't understand. Like, cause you can't, I, it's such an overused idea, but you can't see the forest for the trees at some point. You just, no, you can't, you don't, you, know you don't know how bad the fight is until you're not in it anymore. And you can look back and like kind of de- debrief what you did well and what you did. Yeah. Hold on a second. Sorry. Arden's bothering me. No, that's all good. No, I just had a text her and let her know what I was doing. Um, where are you is code for I'm hungry. You should come make me a lunch. I'm pretty <laughs> That's exactly what my kids do, except they come downstairs with a, a bag of bread and go make me a sandwich. <laughs> at least they have, at least they have an idea. Arden uh, <laughs> is like, I don't know what I want, but I'm hungry. And then you stand there <laughs> listing all the things you have in the house, and she goes, "There's nothing here." <laughs> like, well, there must be. It, you know, it cost me three hundred dollars. I don't see how there can't be anything here. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I want to go get a cheeseburger. Okay. Uh, well, uh, sounds great. What if I made you a cheeseburger? Nah, not the same. Okay, I just you just you can't win. Uh, no, yeah, I, I it really the cheeseburgers is, are my thing. I love them. I gotta be honest with you. Eating is a problem. In, in yeah. our in our lifestyle, it really is a problem because you feel like you have two options: make a good meal and lose a bunch of time that you mm-hmm. can't that you can't get back, or right. grab something quick so that you can do the things you're trying to do. And when you're a working age person. 
like one of the most yeah. exciting things I think about being uh, retired one day is going to be that I can make myself a meal without feeling badly about it. <laughs> exactly. Time I'm yeah, my wife can tell when she gets home from work because, you know, during the pandemic, we started working from home and she still had to go to the office. So I was watching, you know, trying to do my job, make sure the kids are fed. And she could tell how stressful of a day it was by what I mean. <laughs> she goes, stressful day, huh? I go, yep. <laughs> it really is. Enjoy this fried egg, children. <laughs> <laughs> well, it tend to be because me, like my therapy or my focus and meditation is just making a really robust meal. The mise en place of putting everything together kids like my meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it's an extravagant meal, I probably had a stressful day. Um, because when she gets home, the meal looks great. The house is in complete disarray because I haven't paid zero attention to the children. Um, and a lot of times if I'm having fun with the kids, she'll get home and goes, what's for dinner? I'm like, I don't know. Didn't think about it. I'm having fun. I'm not upset right now. So I'm trying to enjoy my life. (laughs) Right. Uh, It's a, it's a struggle, man. Like, I mean, it's not a real struggle. Like, you know, like you said, like storming a beach with a backpack on or something like that, but it's (laughs) for sure. It really is. It's a difficult thing to balance. And it, you can see how people even get into those like, well, we'll grab something like we'll, we'll yeah. grab takeout. And then the next thing you know, you look mm-hmm. up and it's three months later and you're like, I don't even know the last time we've cooked something was. Yeah. Like, how quickly yeah I think away. everyone goes through those like stretches. You're like, oh, crap. It's usually when you go, how come we don't have as big of a savings account as we did like a month and a half ago? Then you go back, and go, ah, Arby's. Oh. That's why. You know, that's <laughs> that's no kidding either, because. Uh, yeah. That was one of the COVID lockdown things that I noticed. I was like, why do we have more money than we usually do? Yeah. And then we thought, about, oh, yeah, like, we, we're not going out to buy food anywhere. Like we're just cooking yeah. every meal here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We stopped eating out. It stopped paying for daycare for us. That was huge. That was like a $900 pay raise per month for us. Mm. I'm like, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Should teach those kids how to take care of themselves. How old are they? Um, My oldest is 20. She's off in college doing her thing. Then I got a 12 year old a six-year-old almost seven and then a five-year-old oh yeah the six and fives and all that they're they're it's probably illegal to leave them by themselves but you should check well that's why i have a 12 year old i'm like hey i'm going out make sure no one dies and that is usually what it is check your local laws about how old (laughs) you to leave them in their house by yourself Um, right it's interesting we're going to test those limits it's It's very cultural too like like place to place Mm -hmm. when you talk to people about it um, there, yeah. there, there are parts of the country where people are much more like, oh, they're old enough. I'm like, I don't know if nine's old enough. You're like, you know, yeah, they're <laughs> fine. I'm like, okay. Yeah. yeah. So usually I think my benchmarks personally are, can they wipe their own butt and can they make themselves some toast? <laughs> if they can do those two things and not burn the place down, I think they're cool. I don't know. I want my kids to be able to defend the homestead. That's all under, oh, man. Uh, under attack. Okay. I, I want somebody to fight back a little bit. I mean, my dog will probably welcome them in and show them where all the good. Yeah, so yeah, I'm afraid of that too. I'm afraid the kids would be like, <laughs> just take whatever you want. It's fine. We didn't pay for it. Anyway. Yeah. Well, that's the pandemic. Like we stopped cleaning the house as often as we were because we're in it all the time. So it gets pretty messy pretty quick. And I looked at my wife. I'm like, I think we should leave it like this because if someone breaks in, they're like, oh, someone already got here. We'll go go to the next one. There's nothing worth taking. I cleaned more <laughs> during COVID. It's, it was the extra, yeah. the extra time is what it was for me. Yeah. Well, the first six months of COVID, my kids were with my in-laws. They kind of got trapped down there on spring break. My in-laws loved it. Me and my wife were like, we've never spent this much significant time without kids. This is weird. And we loved it. My favorite part of it is very, very specific and odd, but that 
I hated that Arden didn't have to go to school anymore, but I love not having to get up to take her to school anymore. Oh God. Yeah. It's like an extra hour of sleep for me. And yeah, I was, a, I'm a huge fan now, even today, she's, a, she, mm-hmm. she drives now, like by the time it was all over, <laughs> she went back to school. She'll say stuff like, uh, you guys were sound asleep when I left for school this morning. I'm like, yeah, that's right. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you want to sleep at seven 15, all you have to do is grow up and, uh, that's it because I can start sure. my, you know, I start my job pretty easily here and Kelly's been working at mm-hmm. home. So it's, yeah, you, know, you just kind of get up and take a shower and get going. And, uh, yeah, it, since COVID no alarms in my house for me, I wake up at seven o'clock every day. No alarm. Huh? Boom. Done. There's some things that have been, I've learned from it that were good. And there's some things I learned that as soon as it went back the other way, I was like, oh, wow, we fell right back into this like trap. Mm-hmm. It was interesting to see how, how quickly, uh, lessons that I felt were learned were lost. So, you know, <laughs> anyway, quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So Adam, is there anything that we haven't talked about that we should have that I missed? Um, well, yeah. I mean, the first event that I did with rocking post CGM and post pod. So that's going to be September, 2020. I was in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. And I did my first event with an insulin pump with, um, a, a CGM went a whole lot smoother. Uh, and that's when I learned I need to get the loop because there was another guy named AJ there who was also type one, but he was wearing a tandem, uh, control IQ. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I'm looking at his graph going, yours is a flat line and you're doing more work than I am. And I'm going up and down quite a bit because I'm having, you know, as many carbs as I can between movements to keep the sugar up. And I have my basil cut back to almost nothing. So like I'm riding a little bit more of a roller coaster than he was. I'm like, I need that. <laughs> so that's what I've been working on trying to figure out is how to get the loop. Yeah. Um, but I love Omnipod. So I want, I'm just waiting for the Omnipod five at this point. Right. No, that's interesting. Oh, also, why do I know? Is that where one of the planes went down on nine 11? Yeah. Flight 93. That's why I know that word. Shanksville. Okay. Yeah. yeah you yeah. said that. And I was like, why do I know the name of that town? Um, yeah. I mean, go, go rock does these events that are kind of honorary and nine 11 is a big one for them. They have these huge events in uh, New York, big ones in Washington, DC, but everyone tends to forget about Shanksville. So they've been putting these events on in Shanksville and the community there loves it. When, when these we show up because it's interesting going through the country, walking down the country road, you see a stack of like 25 to 50 people carrying heavy stuff up a hill to the, the memorial, right? It's a big deal. Um, for their local community is bringing awareness. And it's, I swear to God, when my grandparents and our parents used to say, Hey, I had to walk uphill both ways. They referenced Shanksville because that's everywhere you go. It's uphill there. No matter what <laughs> No kidding. <laughs> you can go back the same exact way and you're still going uphill. Um, <laughs> How are we going back? And it still feels like we're going up. <laughs> right. Great. So, but yeah, it was, that was a fun, it's a fun event. It's a real ball buster of an event, but it's a fun event. No kidding. How long do you think your body will hold up doing this? Like you said, you're 41, right? Yeah. I mean, last year during the pandemic, I cut back after that event, mainly because, you know, lockdowns got a little bit tighter uh, Mm -hmm. here in Cleveland. And uh, I did a lot more just walking around the block, but I didn't have a lot of events on the horizon because I wasn't going to go out in public with a bunch of strangers as easily as I was before um, because I've got little kids because as this kind of like kids getting younger and younger. I worked in healthcare. So I see the, the patients that were calling me for oxygen 
getting younger and younger, I'm like, don't want to risk it. So I've kind of backed off a bit and I'm starting to feel a little bit like my feet. I used to be able to walk 12 miles. My feet would be fine. Now I walk three and a half miles and it felt like a walk 12. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just a matter of repetition, getting the reps back up. We'll probably get there, but it's really low impact as far as joints are concerned. If you build into it, okay. a lot, lot, lot less stressful on your knees than running because yeah, no, I imagine. running your, it's no problem. You could do it with friends. So you could walk miles and miles with friends and not realize it. Um, so, which is what I like to do. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me. This, the slow build part of it is attractive. You know, yeah. That idea of not like jumping into something just crazy and, uh, and maybe hurting yourself because you're, you're not prepared for it. Yeah. yeah. And what's crazy about when you're trying to do this stuff and you're type one diabetic, when I, goaded my friend Chris into doing this with me the first time his mom called and goes, don't kill him, but you're going to kill yourself. You're, just, you're diabetic. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm not fragile. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, let's let me do my thing, right. you know? And now it's a big thing. He and I share together. It's a lot of fun. We, we plan weekends around it. It's fun. Did your wife ever get into it? No, I mean, she does walking, but she, I try to get her during the pandemic to put her rock on and go. And she did it thank her blessed heart for four miles and she got home, took it off. She goes, don't ever make me do that again. That is stupid. (laughs) Not for me. Um, Well, listen, (laughs) not for her. I just realized that you flew from Ohio to Pennsylvania to go for a walk. So unless you drove, drove. did you drive? Okay. Yeah. So I drove from Cleveland to Pittsburgh, picked up my friend that lives in Pittsburgh and we drove out. Okay. All right. But there are people that fly all over the country for this stuff. And it's crazy. That's it. No, it isn't. It it really does sound interesting and it makes a lot of yeah. sense. It makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, in the end, you get, you know, if, if you don't want to get into the lifestyle, like you could probably just do this with a weighted vest, right? Yeah, you can do it with a weighted vest. I mean, CrossFit's kind of done that whole thing with the Murph and the weighted vests and the hero wads that they do. Mm-hmm. Same concept, you know, even the obstacle course racing circuit is kind of in that same vein. But what I like about rucking is that when you go to some of these events, there's, it's literally unknown. You don't know what you're going to do and for how long yeah. and that's a cool thing. Cool. Well, but listen, if you like it, I think it's good. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. I mean, in that kind of like that functional fitness movement, it's still a thing. Like as a result of rucking, we went to the Kentucky state fair. We had a mile back to the car and the kids, the little ones didn't want to walk. No one could carry them for that long. So I picked them both up and carried them the one mile to the car. And they both fell asleep and it was like, had I not been rucking and doing all this other stuff, I would never have been able to do that. Yeah. That would have been more miserable. So, so it kind of gives you, what's that? <laughs> I think you would have had to drag them. <laughs> well, we would have had to get all my wife's tchotchkes that she picks up from all that free stuff out of the wagon, put them in it. <laughs> <laughs> How are we going to get the business cards home? The right. <laughs> I was thinking you would just strap something to their feet and just pull them through the lawn, but uh, <laughs> there you go. Probably be bad after well, a while too. Uh, it's concrete know. eventually. Yeah, That's never right. fun. Do you ever think about the kids and diabetes? <laughs> yeah. So actually, this just this week we got our trial net, um, like kit for my oldest, not my oldest, my second oldest, second daughter, oldest at home, and we're going to do see what genetic markers she might have. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime they say that their legs hurt or they're really thirsty and they're peeing a lot. I'm paying closer attention now than I was before, yeah. but I'm not letting it rule. I don't see every symptom they have is <laughs> it must be diabetic. You know, gotcha. um, I'm just kind of paying a closer attention to it though. Is there any chance you got that trial nut kit at trial forward slash juice box? 
that's exactly where I got it. Thank you. And when they asked me where I found out about it, I went click the down arrow and select a juice box podcast. I appreciate that. That's very nice. Yeah, I, I really no don't. worries. <laughs> Actually, I don't know the link I clicked. It was in the show notes. So if you didn't put it in correctly, that's on you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if I didn't put it in correctly, I deserve it. Don't worry. <laughs> now they're just an interesting, it's an interesting situation there because I'm a big fan of what trial net does. But they're, you know, it doesn't cost anything for you to do trial net. So I think they're funded. I think they're government funded. Um, and okay. you know, they wanted to get the word out more, but I'm like, you know, I don't they don't have a ton of money for advertising. So right. they tried it with me. And to be honest, by the time somebody hears this, they might not be advertisers anymore. I have no idea. But they did a, <laughs> a limited run to see how it would work. And sure. So now we're gonna find out. So I appreciate you doing that very much. Hey, no worries. I mean, anything I can do to kind of bring that awareness up even for my kids, like they'll hear my Dexcom go off. Oh, dad's going to explode again. You know, that kind of thing. It's kind of a joke around here about, you know, the stuff going off. And since I took your advice and lowered all my Dexcom alerts, they're hearing it more often, um, which they, dad, are you okay? I'm like, no, no, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah. How did that make, how does that work out for you? Like, what is your A1C now? <sighs> well, that's a problem. I haven't gotten my A1C in the last six months. Last time I did, it was 5.4. Hmm. Yeah, 5.4. Well, what what do the apps tell you? The uh, the apps with Dexcom, because the last 90 days have been a struggle for me. Uh, Stress at work, that kind of stuff. My my sugars were high, but um, somewhere around 6.7, I think. Okay. Um, So a lot lot better than I was when I was first diagnosed, but 6.7 is the highest I've been since, since being diagnosed. So I have fell backwards, but going forward, I mean, lowering those Dexcom alerts, I'm not chasing those highs anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of preventing them with less insulin than I was before. Um, so, I mean, my, my carb ratio is one to eight. So if I have a pretty carb heavy meal, that's a lot of insulin to be pushing, yeah. which is weird. So no, I listen. Arden's is like one to four and a half. So oh, geez. Yeah, yeah. What's your basal? Yeah. Your basal must be two. Um, no. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Two to two and a half, depending on the time of day. Right. I, I crank it up at night because I tend to like shoot up at night. Okay. So I have it cranked like two and a half when I sleep. When I wake up, it's, you know, two, something like that. Interesting. Before I let you go, tell me something about when life stresses and things become, you know, intensified. How does that impact you managing your blood sugar? Like, wh- why did it translate to a higher day one C, I guess is my question. Well, I, again, you, you stop paying attention to that kind of stuff. You think everything else that's going around you is more important than that at the moment. Um, so in this case was working at a healthcare facility, well, not in this healthcare company that sells oxygen during a pandemic and they're having sales problems and you're a sales guy. You're like, how am I going to find a sale and that kind of thing. So you're stressed about that. Right. You're not paying attention because you're not paying attention. You go upstairs looking for a snack while you're on, you know, doing something just to grab and you happen to grab something that's probably not the healthiest to eat. It's probably pretty sugar heavy and you bolus late, that kind of stuff. Um, so now you're chasing. So when I did, when I, uh, beginning of November, you know, a lot of people were getting fired from our company. I happened to be one of them. Um, I just went back to the basics. I stopped, looked at the horizon, focused on that and said, this is what I'm going to make sure I'm paying attention to. Cause obviously it's got a lot of whack. Um, and every time you put up a new podcast, you're learning something new from somebody else about 
there's thing, something will stick with you that they said that I'm feeling that too, but they're overcoming it. So I don't feel alone so much. Mm -hmm. So it just gives you another way to focus on it. And just like, um, that was a girl from Switzerland. She was just saying she stopped weekly checking in with, in that kind of was messing her up a bit. And that's probably exactly what was happening with me. Cause I wasn't checking in with any podcasts. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, just kind of paying attention to the Facebook groups and stuff. And that's not everything you got to have those constant education and reminders over right. and over again. Laura, Laura, that, Laura from Switzerland. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 Her accent was awesome, by the way, cool. I went to Switzerland and I just literally felt like I was sit- sitting in Zermatt with another Swiss guy listening to them talk. It was great. Oh, excellent. So, okay. So I, I take your point then there's, there's something about um, an economy of time and having mm-hmm. to stay focused on the things that are important and it being easy for other life things to pull you away. And then sure. you don't have that time. And then that's, then we're on that slippery slope of mm-hmm. we'll just grab something. And then three months later, we don't know what happened like that. Kind yeah. Of thing. You, again, you, you debrief in quarters is what I always do. I look back at all the variables with my, my health plan going, I really screwed that up and I own it and then I'm going to fix it. And the cool thing about rucking is it doesn't take much to get that, those numbers back down. You know, like if I do happen to be chasing one day, uh, it's easy to throw a ruck on and go around the block to help that insulin take off faster before you hit high, um, before you go outside of your 180 range. And my wife called it rage rucking because like I'll eat dinner. I miss the bolus somehow. So now I'm like shooting up past 200 and I just, she sees me just get up, throw some shoes on, throw a ruck on and just rage out the door. I come back. She goes, how you feel? I'm like back at 150. I'm cool. <laughs> well, Adam, it took you the entire recording, but you did it. You named, yeah. you named your episode. What is it? It's rage Ra- rocking. Rage rocking. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to be honest Perfect. with you. 30 seconds ago, I was like, I wonder what I'll call this. And I've been trying yeah. to, I've been trying to do wordplay in my head. Like the whole time you were talking with, you know, <laughs> replacing the F and the R and, um, I couldn't find it. And now all of a sudden you were just like rage rocking. I was like, Oh, there we go. There we're it all is. Done. Well, you, you could rage bolus and then rage rock at the same time. Cause that's exactly what I've, I've done in the past. So somebody, was it you? I, um, on the Facebook page, I kind of had to remind everybody to be like human beings recently. Um, around yeah. around arguing about COVID vaccines. And I just basically, oh, yeah. I ended up saying, look, if you're going to use the word COVID or COVID vaccine and it's not to help somebody with their blood sugar, like we're done. Like I'm not doing this with you anymore. <laughs> right. And somebody called my post a rage bolus or a rage like uh, post or something. Pr- probably so. Yeah. <laughs> and that just made me think of that just now, which I, by the way, yeah. was not enraged when I wrote it. I was just a lot more direct. Um, yeah. And less. Polite. I mean, Right. And sometimes you need directness to snap people out of it, you know, and it's, uh, I happen to find those COVID posts are kind of comical in the comments. So I love it. Like, like anyone have a fact I'm like, I'm going to get it now. Um, I am not growing a tail, so I feel good about it or I'm kind of mad. I don't have a tail. It just depends on how I feel that day. Listen, just from the perspective of someone running a Facebook group, there's 18,000 people in there and I'm not going to allow the good work that the Facebook uh, page does to be waylaid by 35 people who have a strong opinion right. about something like i'm glad you have a strong for opinion sure. go tell someone else who cares that's not what for we're sure. talking about here you know so, for sure yeah, yeah. And it's the same there's other facebook groups i'm part of you in the rocking community if you're a new guy and ask a question i feel sorry for them because their posts are going to get hijacked and they're going to get made fun. it's just yeah. i stay away from a lot of these facebook groups anymore because it's just like really guys Dude, i have Relax. to say my group runs 
incredibly smoothly. It's this one, does. the one thing that it just, I'm like, look guys, like that's not what this space is for. Like I, I, right. I I'm excited for you that you have some very hard, like held theories about things and you want to share them, but <laughs> share them somewhere where someone's asking about it. Like this is not, right. I think sometimes people don't understand the power of their social media and, right. and that they want to, I mean, listen, Adam, I, 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 I have a fairly large following of people, you know, whether it's social media or this podcast, and mm-hmm. I don't have the amount of power to move people in a direction that you might imagine. So, it, you know, you and your 400 Twitter followers are probably not the uh, the power block that you imagine you are. You, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's just, it doesn't work that way. But Yeah, and, and people are drawn to that negativity sometimes, too, when they post something negative about something. People are drawn to it. Yeah. And I hear you. It's... It's well, just fire. Anyway, you know, it just blows up. Apparently my rage post took care of it. So, <laughs> all right, man, listen, Perfect. I got to jump, but I appreciate you doing this very much. Oh, no worries, man. Thank you so much. Yeah. Have a great day. A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You spell that. G-V-O-K-E-G-L-U-C-A-G-O-N dot com forward slash juice box. I'd also like to thank U.S. Med and remind you to go to usmed.com forward slash juice box or call 888-721-1514 to get your free benefits check. And if you're in the Orlando area and you'd like to hear me speak at an upcoming event, you should check out touchedbytype1.org. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Juice Box Podcast. Don't forget to check out the private Facebook group, Juice Box Podcast Type 1 Diabetes. And of course, if you're looking for the Diabetes Pro Tip episodes, they begin at episode 210 of your podcast player or are available at juiceboxpodcast.com and diabetesprotip.com. If you've already heard the Pro Tip series and are looking for more management content, well, guess what we have for you? There are currently 26 episodes in the After Dark series, everything from an interview with a sex worker with type 1 to someone with bipolar and everything in between. After Dark Night Your Speed? How about an entire grouping of episodes all about algorithm pumping, 14 episodes about looping, Omnipod 5, Control IQ, and the Minimed Medtronic 670G. There are also a ton of episodes where Jenny Smith and I have answered questions asked by listeners. Those episodes are called Ask Scott and Jenny, and there are 18 of them at this point. There are lists available at Facebook, right? You know the Facebook machine? Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook. It's a private group. At the top of the page, you click on Featured, and in there are all of these lists, like the After Dark and the Ask Scott and Jenny stuff. In that same place, you'll find lists of the new and growing Bold Beginnings series. This series is where Jenny and I take feedback from the listeners. We, re- we ask them, what do you wish you knew at diagnosis? And Jenny and I have broken it up into a series, and it's going along very well. I think we're five or six episodes into it. Go find the Bold Beginnings series list in the Facebook group under the Featured tab. That's the private Facebook group. Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes. Are you interested in celiac? There are nine episodes just about celiac. 
Again, head over to Facebook, look in that Featured tab. When you get there, you'll also find 19 episodes grouped together called Talking with Children. These are interviews that I've done with kids, as you can tell by the title, Talking with Children. The Defining Diabetes series is 44 episodes long. This is a, it's a, a really great breakdown where Jenny Smith and I go through all of the terms that you use with diabetes and really explain them to you in an easy-to-understand, digestible way in short episodes. Defining Diabetes, 44 episodes long. Please listen. Everything from bolus, feet on the floor, rage bolus, bump and nudge, hydration, pump break, antibodies, things you need to understand if you're using insulin. There's a series all about thyroid, defining thyroid series. Again, Jenny Smith and I define the things you need to understand for living with thyroid disease. And there's a bonus episode with that with Dr. Addie Benito, where she thoroughly explains thyroid disease in episode 413. We also have 10 episodes grouped together about disordered eating, and there is a ton of information about how to bolus for fat and protein. And if that doesn't make sense to you, go find that list. Bolusing for fat and protein, seven episodes that will change the way you think about using your insulin. And if you're looking for mental wellness episodes, currently there are 13 on the list, many with Erica Forsyth. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist who also has had type 1 diabetes for three decades. Erica and I frequently talk about things that fit right into her professional profile. It's a great grouping of episodes. So there's something for everybody. They're all right there in your podcast player. But if you can't find them, you go into Juicebox Podcast, type on diabetes on Facebook, go up to the feature tab, and that's where all those lists exist. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.